Welcome to the Sick and Successful Podcast. This podcast was created with the purpose of being real. Diving deep into the behind the scenes of what it's like to be successful while struggling with some of life's biggest challenges. In this podcast, there is no holding back. The tough questions are asked, hard things are said, and week after week, our hosts bring you tangible tips and tricks to live your best life. We're here to show you that you don't have to settle for good enough, that you can shoot for the stars and accomplish your wildest dreams. The road to get there may look a little different, but we're here to prove to you that it's not only possible to be sick and successful, but it's possible for you. Dream big and tune in. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the Sick and Successful podcast. We have such an exciting guest with us today from all across the world. Her name is Rosie Red. She is a UK-based luxury bespoke bridal and couture wear for all body types. Rosie, she um, her garments are made with the utmost love and care. She is in Oxford, England. She does plus size to petite, no matter what size you are. She promises a fabulous experience from start to finish. Her brides come from all around the world, and she is lucky to have a celebrity following, including Helena bon- Bonham Carter, Billy Piper, Shaleen Hector, and so much more. She is fabulous. She is beautiful. Her Instagram following, her Instagram page is phenomenal. And welcome, welcome, Rosie Red. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. So it was really cool. I just want to tell the story of how we got you on the podcast. Uh, our executive assistant, her name is Alexa. She's phenomenal. She has been following you for a long time. She actually hopes to have your dress for her own wedding. And she she reached out and had a conversation. And here we are. So we're so excited to have you. Oh, thank you. And it was coincidence that you also have type 1 diabetes, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was, um, it was World Diabetes Day yesterday. Wow. Yes, I actually saw that. Well, uh-huh. happy Diabetes Day. Is that what you would say? I like, I don't, I mean, pretty, it's pretty bleak, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we, we've had insulin now for 100 years. That was the wow. anniversary. So, um, so I mean, that, that's pretty good going. That is. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, let's just get started. How did you get, like, where did you come from? How did you get started in this industry? How did you blow up to have celebrities wearing your work? And let me know a little bit more about you. Okay, so I I hate I sort of hate it a bit when people say this, but I genuinely always knew that something like this was what I wanted to do. So when I was really little, I wanted to be a fashion designer and I'd always make costumes out of bits of fabric and I loved sequins and sparkles and it, it was just absolutely yeah, I, I do hate it a bit when people are like, I always knew what I wanted to do. So um but I did. There was a time uh, when I was about 15, I was like, maybe I want to be a psychiatrist or something. That was like a different, <laughs> a different time. But um, I went to college and I studied fashion and clothing. And then I went and did a degree in costume design. Um, so I left university with this degree. I'd done all of these work placements. And I thought, surely I'm going to get some great job. Like I applied everywhere. I even applied for a job in Canada. Wow. Um, yeah. So I applied uh, to Cirque du Soleil. Anywhere, basically, I would have I would have moved anywhere. But the industry is madly competitive here. So I I mean, I think madly competitive everywhere. Realistically, I think if you want to be in design or fashion, it's pretty tough, pretty cutthroat. And I knew I didn't want to do sort of high street clothing because I found that quite dull. 
And if I was going to work in film or TV, it would be very much making somebody else's designs. And I sort of wanted to be able to do all of it myself. So I got a job actually, something totally different, where I was able, I can't even work out how old I must have been, like young 20s. Um, I was able to live at home, save everything. And then I thought, I am going to launch a business. I'm going to give it a go. Um, my plan actually was after my six month contract was up, I was going to go and do Camp America. I really wanted to travel America. And I was going to teach fashion to kids in America in a terrible uniform. And I was like, oh, I kind of, yeah, I was like, camp leader outfits are not the one. And you weren't allowed things like hair dye and stuff, but that's beside the point. Um, so my, yes, yeah, so my plan was to go to America. But when I looked into it, which I guess is what ties into everything, long-term conditions weren't covered. So my whole idea was that I was going to get this opportunity to get paid to be in America. Then I was going to use all that money to tour America. But my health insurance to be out there for that period of time was about a thousand pounds, which was an awful lot of money. And I thought, I thought, you know what, I'd rather just go on holiday. Like, (laughs) you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do the work, but I'd rather just go on holiday. So in amongst all that time where I was working at this other job, um, it was in a charity shop. So it was for cancer research in a big warehouse. It was over winter. It was really cold. It was pretty bleak. And my dad, without me knowing, had written to Helena Bonham Carter, who's a really big sort of A-list actress, and just said that I loved her stuff, um, would love to dress her was there any chance and I didn't yeah and I didn't hear anything for ages I didn't know it had been sent and it really got the ball rolling I ended up going to her house to fit her no way yeah and I I dressed her for um Vanity Fair for their September issue which is you know September issue is the big issue in magazine land and again it was a mixed bag because I had people being like this is going to be the start of everything you're going to be picked up like like there were some really great quotes and stuff she'd said about me and I'd be out with friends and she'd text me and it it was it was it was bizarre and surreal but at the same time people don't just pick you up necessarily Um, but it was the thing that got me started because it was a catalyst that I thought I have got to do this now I've got to give it a go and I think in my head I thought I'm going to wait until I'm sort of 30 mid 30 maybe 40 and that's when I'm gonna start a business um but that that's how it really started that's amazing so did she just reach it back out to your dad and say like can I see some work or did she just say come over to my house and fit me (laughs) no so her so her PA her personal assistant got in touch and anything to do with any celebrity is really cryptic yeah so they tend not to say where you're going to be they don't ever which is mad in some ways. They don't give you measurements or anything like that. So I'm quite good at looking at somebody and trying to figure out what I reckon their measurements would be. I think because I've seen a lot of bodies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't, wasn't aware that's where I would be going. We just got an address um, and my best friend, I didn't drive at the time. She drove me there and it was, yeah, it was really surreal. It was a really a big moment. And it's odd, actually, there's, there's quite a corset community in, I say in the UK, it's not in the UK at all, it's all over, but it's, it's funny how some people react 
to good news for other people. Some people mm. were really genuinely happy and some people just didn't really talk to me. <laughs> you were wow. like, yeah, I think I turned 30 in all this August gone. So I started my business uh, when I was, yeah, 23, 24. And I think that was just really young for some people. And for sure. Can, yeah. And to be featured in Vanity Fair as your first like big mm-hmm. thing happening in business, that's a big, that's an awesome way to start for sure. Did you find that once you started, it was, you know, you were off to the races or did you have some trouble at the beginning? And and how did you get to this point now since from 24 to 30 being successful and having a large following and, and people yeah. getting your dresses from all over the world? I think building the brand side of it. Mm that bit I really enjoyed and really got to grips with. I loved doing interviews for newspapers. I loved being on the radio. Like, I think it's because I'm a Leo. <laughs> I don't know oh, me too. <laughs> yeah. I'm August 7th. <laughs> I'm August 14th. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. So I, um, I really thrive on the attention. I really enjoy it. I really like that, but it wasn't, yeah, it, it wasn't straightforward at all. I think building a brand and building a business are really, really different. So when you build a business, you have to make more money than you're spending. Um, and that's, that's literally, that's what it boils down to being a good business. It doesn't matter if you're making millions or making a few quid, like the, the definition is you need to be making more than you're spending. And we have a charity in the UK called the Prince's Trust. So that's a charity to get young people into business. I got enrolled on that course. I got assigned a mentor and I learned the basics of things like how to do your tax return, accounting, more about marketing and how that works. And that's amazing. Yeah, I think I, th- I think even a thing I find hard sometimes is I'm definitely much more of a creative person. So I love to run away with my ideas. But because there's a level of responsibility I have to have, I can't be too scatty about things either. I think maybe actually that's where the whole diabetes thing has come into it because I can't be spontaneous. Yeah. Everything has to be planned. So, you know, maybe that's made for good business in a weird way. It's interesting how many similarities we have because I'm a Leo also. I love to create. I love to paint. I love to, you know, whatever next fun thing to I can do to create. But I, I went in the direction of I went to business school and I have chronic illness. I have Crohn's disease. So I couldn't be spontaneous, even though I wanted to. I traveled yeah. the world. I, I li- like I was in London. I can't even imagine how many times I can't even count. I love it there, but not with, you know, like it took a lot of planning and I had to have my medications and pharmacists and blah, 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 blah. But then I still, I still went into a creative direction where I now do social media management. So I get Uh to create content. I get to create brands. And that is the fun side of business, right? Versus the accounting and the. No, it is. And I think you can get, you can sort of run away with creating a brand. And um, I think there was. And there still is to some extent. People, other people, I think, have tried to mimic it, but not as well as I do it, I think. I'm Absolutely. Gonna put that out there. There's definitely a gap in the market for fantasy-type bridal wear that is very ethereal and soft and still a bit alternative without necessarily being bright purple and gothic, even though I do that too. But there's a gap in the market for that on different body shapes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's daft because I love love for one. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, and it's a very universal thing. And I just think it's heartbreaking that somebody wants to have something that they feel so beautiful in and they, they've got the money for it. That's like the business side of it. They've got the money for it. They, they want to buy the thing, but there wasn't anybody doing it. Yeah, because um, yeah, you, was- you can scroll Pinterest and you can find beautiful mm-hmm. dresses. I mean, I was there when I got married. I really wanted something creative and I ended up mm-hmm. finding a local dress dress shop and getting them to completely change the dress the way that I wanted to see it, you know, yeah. but it had the bones of what I wanted. But like your dresses are, you wouldn't even find them on Pinterest. I mean, unless you have a Pinterest, they are so unique and beautiful. And like you said, ethereal and, you know, but also like, it's not just like you said, a black pink or a black purple Gothic wedding dress. It's like, it has, it has a flavor to that, but in this beautiful, like majestic Mm. type of way. And that's, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I don't get why that is almost like body snobbery that people have got and also I think I think people forget I think a lot of designers forget you have to be somebody that other people are comfortable to be around also pretty much to get naked around like you have to give a non like a genuine non-judgmental presence and I think a lot of people fail with that totally and it doesn't help like I actually traveled to LA to try some wedding dresses on because I had a designer that I was obsessed with Mm -hmm. and the sizes, like the sizes to try on dresses I, at that time I was tiny. So I fit them. But like, if, if anyone is an average size and up, <laughs> then they don't yeah. fit the sample sizes and then, then you don't feel beautiful. Then you don't, you know, it, I mean, you can feel beautiful, but they're putting all those clips on yeah. and it's just not, not a good experience. So to have, to be able to have a custom dress made and like speed yeah. different and unique, that's such a cool thing you're adding. And also with your brand and with your Instagram and and your Mm. presence being so open to any size. And you Mm. don't just say plus size. I love that you say all body types from plus size to petite because petite women struggle with the same thing, right? That's so cool. Yeah. So it's, and that's that's like a whole other cat and fish. So I definitely think there's, there's like fat phobia, which is separate. So people who are in smaller bodies, I feel are naturally more privileged. There are things they won't have to worry about. However, in terms of buying a wedding dress, you know, I've, I'm quite tall. People always think I come off quite short on the internet, but I'm actually quite tall. And um, I've had people where I've had to sort of sit down on chairs to do their fitting because I'm so much taller than them. I think people forget that a lot of people can have insecurities with what their bodies look like. And I've had from people who are very, very slender, but under their clothes, maybe they've had children and all their stomach muscles have separated. And they feel so vulnerable getting undressed in front of somebody and it's providing a safe space for them and, and yeah, and for all spectrum. So it is, yeah, it's really important. It's so awesome. So how would you say that your diabetes, has it affected you in business anyway? I know you mentioned, you know, it helped you kind of be more structured, but other than that, is there anything like, do you think it's made you more open to, uh, to people? Maybe, yeah, you tell me. You know what? It's really hard because sometimes I think about that in terms of life in general. Yeah. So I was I was diagnosed when I was eleven, which is a really long time. So I mean, I I obviously have memories before I was eleven, but the majority of my life has been very medical focused. I sometimes wonder what I would have been like had I not had this to carry with me. So in a parallel world, there's somebody. Maybe I'm like so wild that um, <laughs> I've never like never got anything done and I'm drunk all the time and like and we'll never know 
but I don't think I would have started my business so young without it. I think, you know, one of the things they tell you, or they did tell you 20 years ago when I was diagnosed, is that, you know, your life expectancy is about 60. So that's, that's way short. Like my, my parents are 67. And to me, I mean, they're not young, but to me, they're just, you know, they're their mum and dad. And I can't imagine having my time cut short like that. And I think it's given me, yeah, given me much more like if I want to do something, I, I have actually got to get on and do it. But yeah, I said to my mom the other day, like none of our timelines are infinite. And I think we forget that. We do, and, for sure. Yeah. And we have no control over that because maybe it'll be a diabetes related thing. I mean, touch wood, I have no complications, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is great. But you know, you you don't know what's going to happen. So I think it's definitely made me more like um, I've got to do the thing. I'm not reckless. I don't think I'm reckless at all, actually. But yeah, it does make me do that, stuff. That actually gave me shivers because I with chronic illness, I think that's why a lot of people with chronic illness are so successful because we have that mortality kind of at the top of our minds, mm-hmm. right? Like I have a surgery potentially coming up in the next mm-hmm. soon or in the next while. And, and it yeah. makes you think like, it's this big thing, you know, people yeah. sometimes don't make it out or sometimes there's comp like pe- people in our thirties, you know, you're 30, I'm 32, yeah. I think 32, um, and you know, we, people in their thirties shouldn't be thinking like, am I going to pass, you know, when am I going to pass those types yeah. of things? But when that's at, when it, when that is closer to your top of mind, you are going to do things like go full on into business, not, not go into the corporate world. Cause that's the easy thing to do or take a chance on you or, or go skydiving. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, like never, not ever. It's not on my list. Um, I think, I think as well, I find it really hard to work for somebody else now. Yeah. Um, I'm very aware that like I was really poorly on Friday and I didn't have anybody to answer to. So I didn't feel embarrassed that I have done in previous jobs where I've had to be like oh you know I'm not very well I can't come in and you feel like you're letting the team down I'm very I'm very responsible for what I do and I think I work a lot harder than I would do if I was employed by somebody else but at the same time the freedom to just go not very well and it doesn't matter I'll make up for it another time is huge it is it and and it's another cool thing of being sick and successful uh, my daughter daughter was sick and then I got sick two, three weeks ago and I had to take mm-hmm. the full week off and my week yeah. was back to back to back with meetings. But all I had to do was just reschedule them. Yeah. And that's it. You know, you don't have to call a boss and feel bad and be working yeah. in bed. I mean, I did end up working in bed and as an entrepreneur, <laughs> I w- work way more than I used to, but yeah. you have the flexibility, which is so beautiful. One more question for you, Billy Piper, how did that happen? And do you could, is, like it says on your website that you have a celebrity following. Do you find a lot of people who are getting your dresses now are celebrities or where are people finding you also? Kind of two questions in one. Yeah. So I think, I actually think the celebrity thing more happened early on off the back of all the stuff in the media. So the Billy Piper shoot, it happened that a photographer was doing a promotional photo shoot with her. She'd seen my work on it like a lot of things happen through Instagram yeah love Instagram (laughs) yeah so so they found me through Instagram and that's how it 
how it led on. I had, which was gutting, but I had pieces called by a stylist from Madonna, which is amazing. But um, UPS did not sign the right of paperwork. So it never, the course never got out there. So I think, yeah, I think you'll occasionally get emails from stylists when calls being like, oh, you know, I need, I need this. And normally stylists always call for stuff like a day before and I'm in the UK and they, they're like I'm, and I'm like I couldn't even get a flight I couldn't but that is the way that works but no my majority I think I think things have shifted in a in a really good way but I do a lot of brides now for me a lot of brides now because they are very time consuming yeah and the more it's the whole juggle the more you spend on on doing actual brides actual paid work which is really needed the less time you've got to do the marketing of it. Do you not get paid for the actors? No, no, you never what? do. No, I think actors don't pay for anything ever. They're like, yeah. Wow, I would have never, I would have thought you'd get paid more for that. That is mind blowing. No, not at all. Because you're giving, you're, yeah, you're giving the, the privilege for them to, so to wear the thing. Having a four spread page Vanity Fair shoot, you get nothing. Mm-hmm. No. Why doesn't Vanity Fair pay you? <laughs> Don't. I, I, I think, you know, I think that's influencer culture in right? general. Yeah, think, it is. Yeah. True. So celebrities are like real, real celebrities, are like yeah. the original influencers. And now I'll have people and I think you haven't even done any research about me who will send a generic like DM on Instagram and be like, please send me some pieces. <laughs> I will do a post for you. And I'm like, you've got 2000 followers. <laughs> like, I, in, in, where is this beneficial? Like, I need, I need to buy dog food and, <laughs> and pay for stuff. Like, I can't, I can't do that with them. Yeah. It's interesting because as I, while I was on my maternity leave, I was like, a, or I, a, a quote unquote influencer, you know, I did a lot of brand, brand work. And it's interesting kind of being in that world and seeing the types of emails that go out. Just, you know, people have a generic email they send to as many brands as possible and cross their fingers, which is kind of sad because like, you know, you are putting, especially your work, like that is work that you've put into it, blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> um, yeah. You you said you said something that really sparked a question in my mind, and now I now I lost it. It'll come back. That always happens. <laughs> uh, oh, for the brides, how long does it take you to make a typical bride bride's dress? Bride's dress. I mean, this is quite good. Like good time, a wedding dress. Yeah, a wedding dress. Yeah, I was like, that's not the right word. <laughs> wedding um, dress. bridal outfit. Yeah. Um, it really depends. But why? That's quite a good question today is that someone got in touch with me overnight. They must have been having sleepless night because they're in the UK and their message was from like 3 a.m. And they are getting married in three weeks. (gasps) And was there anything I could do? I could see the sleepless. (laughs) Yeah. And I have spoken to them this morning and I am going to juggle stuff around and take it on. Normally, I absolutely couldn't do that. I think I'm motivated a bit. I'm getting married next year, which is nice. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so we have a wedding to pay for. So that's quite, that's quite good motivation. And she just is in a bit of a sticky situation where they're moving country and they need to be married mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. 
So I like a good six months minimum. If anything's under six months, there's normally like a late fee because so much juggling. With COVID, that threw quite a spanner in the work. I mean, with everybody, but definitely in the wedding industry, things just stopped. Um, Yeah, so I still made a few dresses during that time that went to the US, but in the UK, unless somebody was terminally terminally ill, uh, weddings were just totally cancelled. I then, when weddings started to pick back up, it seemed like, yeah, there was over a year's worth of people who all wanted to get married. Right now. At the same time. Yeah. <laughs> right now. Some of them were thinner. Some of them were fatter. Some of them were pregnant. And I was like, oh. Um, I always say to people, it's better just to get in touch and see. But six months minimum. Okay. Ideally, that's, not that's not as long as I was expecting. Cause even like, if you're going to get a dress off the rack, they say minimum six, six months. And I think okay. a lot of the time, um, that's cause they have to fly them in from China. Got you. <laughs> but Got also, you. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think the majority of people is about a year, about a year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting when you bringing up COVID is because especially like in Canada, our restrictions are crazy and they're changing every week. So we did go to a wedding this summer, but if she would have had the wedding a week later, we wouldn't have been able to go. So it's like, yeah, those poor brides, those poor brides and, yeah. and the whole industry in and of itself, mm-hmm. like it's stopping, going, stopping, going, mm-hmm. not sure what the restrictions are like in the UK, but here it's been changing every. Yeah. I feel like our government's now a bit like, oh, it's fine. We're, we've done COVID. We're fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So here, but in the in the beginning of that, I mean, it was terrifying that there were lots of obviously different statistics, but one of them was any diabetic person who had been hospitalized, nobody came out again. So that was that was it. Yeah, well, it was terrifying. It's funny how it doesn't feel real when you look back, though. It's like it was some sort of dreamland. Well, we are still in the dreamland in Canada because uh, I'm unvaccinated because of my Crohn's disease and just okay. personal decisions um, with, with being injured with medication in the past. Uh-huh. So uh, we're unable to go to any cinemas. We're unable to go to restaurants. Yes. We're unable to do anything here. But there is still restrictions here for people who are vaccinated. I mean, things are are opening up for them, but. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy to think about. It's crazy yeah. to think about the, the beginning stages for sure, though, like yeah. the, those first yeah. few days and how much differently this whole situation affects someone with a chronic illness. Like, oh, massively. Yeah, a lot. We I don't think we've ever even talked about that on their podcast, but the, those thoughts again of like the mortality, right? And and the big decisions like vaccinated or not. And mm-hmm. it's not just, oh, am I going to, you know, get a vaccination? It's how is this going to affect my health long term? Mm-hmm. And all of those other questions. So that's, that's an interesting point you bring up. Is there anything else you would want to chat about or, or if there's anything? Yeah, it's nice just having a chat, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) Do you have anything coming up anywhere our listeners can, you know, go support you or find you or is Instagram the main place? Yeah, I think, I think Instagram. So at Rosie Red Corsetree, I prefer it as a platform just because it's a visual thing and what I do is visual. Um, I do have a website, which is rosyredcorsetree.com. And I think, I think definitely I'm starting to plan a wedding for myself. It's yeah, it's so important to have at least a price guide on stuff. 
Mm-hmm. There are times I've looked up things and we've been like, should we, should we hire that? There's no price guide. You have no idea if something's in your budget. What a great point. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, other businesses need to have a price guide. I'm on Facebook as well. I am a bit old for TikTok. <laughs> I'm a bit like, <laughs> I lurk on TikTok. I've tried to post a few things. I think, I think the general audience is probably a little bit too young for my stuff maybe it's also time consuming so time consuming I have two freelancers who are amazing and one of them is I want to say 23 she might not be 24 and even though it's not a big age gap like it really is at the same time um and she has this great brand making t-shirts and so many people go wild for her stuff on tiktok that's amazing. So are you, are you making these dresses all by yourself or are you, are these freelancers helping you or do you have a team? No, so yeah, my team is, uh, they're called Immy and Maddie. Immy works, she does a lot of stuff for the theatre. She has her own millinery company. So she makes headdresses and veils and stuff like that. Wow. And she started interning for me a while back. I used to take on quite a few interns. It's part of a degree programme in the UK to do a module within a company. So I used to take people on and then like mark them as part of their module. Amy was somebody that she lives really locally. We get on. She's one of my best friends. And I have her a couple of days a week. She leaves me next week, though, right in the middle of this three-week deadline. Oh, no. um, <laughs> because she goes to work for the theatre for the pantomime because it's Christmas season. And then Maddie has this really cool T-shirt company. Yeah, I have her a day a week. So. Amazing. So I have, uh, yeah, I have three days a week covered, which is really good. Yeah, that's helpful for sure. Yeah. Well, we're going to link everything in the show notes where you guys can find Rosie and make sure you go follow her. Make sure you send her a message and how beautiful her work is or comment on her posts. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show, Rosie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And remember, it is not only possible to be sick and successful, it is possible for you.